Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. All right. Joy and uh, strength and joy. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, uh, be upon us today and allow these words to sink into our hearts if they're true. Reveal things to us through your spirit who you've uh, committed to us, you've given us as a guide, as a counselor, as a part of your deity, your holiness, that Jesus could not wait to send after his ascension. Be Fill us and teach us the truth, Lord God. And if these things are true today, if we can truly find strength in the joy of the Lord, please reveal that to us in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we're introduced to Jesus as a baby. In the Gospel of Mark, we're introduced to Jesus as an adult, the beginning of his ministry. And in the Gospel of John, we're introduced to Jesus as God. It's interesting how each of the Gospel writers started the narrative based on why they were writing, the time, and who they were writing to. Luke says, I have taken it upon myself to investigate everything, and I want to write an orderly report. As he says that in Luke chapter 1. And so in Luke, the story that Daniel read, we see Jesus as a baby. And we also see that strength and joy come from the Lord. So I'll say this, what is joy? You think about it. I thought about that a lot over the last couple weeks. How would, if someone said, what is the joy of the Lord, how could I answer that? So I, I like to think about what, it, what I know that it is and what I know that it isn't. I know that it's a fruit of God's Spirit. We learned that. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. We sing that song. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And nestled right there at the top, love and joy. We know that joy is a direct attribute of God's Holy Spirit. And so to me, in my heart, one of the things that I try my very best to recognize, if there is any joy, any love, any goodness, any kindness, I know God is present because those are fruits of his spirit. And that gives me hope. I know that joy is a direct attribute of God's Holy Spirit. I know that joy isn't happiness. Joel talked about that last week and the Bible makes it clear. Happiness is talked about about ten times in the Bible. Happiness is extremely circumstantial, where joy is absolutely not attached to circumstances, and the, and the writers from Old Testament to New mention that, that theme of joy over 400 times. I scoured the internet, I, used, I even used some of my own words. I know you'll be so many. Here's the, uh, just a working definition of joy, and I, I took probably 10 and just blended them all together that I thought really captured what the joy of the Lord is. It's this continual gladness, this peace and confidence, 
that we can actually feel in our hearts, harbored in our hearts. And it comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. To me, that worked on a lot of levels. It was even made richer last night in our family devotional. We watched a Bible project video about peace. This is part of their Advent series. And the, the, the authors there just do a really good job of diving into what biblical peace is. And it's that word shalom that you've heard. And really what it refers to is completeness. Like when a wall gets completed and there's no cracks. There's nothing that can get through it. It's sturdy and it's strong and it's solid. That helped enhance that definition of joy, uh, knowing what peace meant. We know that joy is found throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Over 400 times. And I didn't do a comparison old versus new, but I know that it's in, in both the old and the new. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we read this famous passage, the joy of the Lord is your strength. To make that even richer, this is the time when the Israelites were coming out of Babylonian captivity. Zerubbabel helped build the temple. Uh, Ezra helped build the community. And now Nehemiah was building back the wall. And they paused that to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a feast celebrating how God delivers His people. And at the end of it, he said, we can make it through because the joy of the Lord is our strength. That we can find power and endurance and effort and want to and toughness because of God's joy that's in us. And it's the exact same motivation that Jesus leaned into going to the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sitting down at the right hand of God. Praise God. All right. We kind of know a little bit about what joy is and what joy isn't. Good conversation piece with your, with your husband, with your wife, with your friends, your family, your kids. What does joy look like? And how can we derive strength from it? Here's some of the ideas uh, that we came up with today. If you want to, uh, on the, the Bibles there, these New Testaments, if you want to follow along on your phone, I think it's very helpful to hear God's Word and read God's Word, but I'm on page 1,593, 1,593 if you want to follow along. But this story kicks off with some history, and you know that about Luke, that he always adds the details, and I like that. There's places, and there's times, and there's governors, and there's leaders, and these all things are verifiable, and it, it goes to the credibility of the gospel, and Luke wanted to write that orderly report after he had investigated, so he adds details like, hey, you remember when Caesar Augustus was the emperor, and Quirinius was the governor over Syria, you remember that? Okay, this is when this happened. I like those details that are added. Anyway, the this the Roman emperor demanded a census, and a census was for multiple things. Uh, for counting, we, we do that. But it's also for governmental purposes like taxation. It's also like conscription into the uh, military, which was a requirement for Roman men. Uh, the Jews lived in Ro the Roman world. They were not conscribed into the military, but that's part of what the census was used for. So we, we have records of this, and we know when this happened. We know that Mary and Joseph were from the line of David and that it was required of them to return to their ancestral homes. 
So David, coming from the town of Bethlehem, you can see on the map there, uh, Nazareth is where they were, way up top. So Galilee is the region, Nazareth is the town, come almost 90 miles down there to Judea, the area, specifically Bethlehem, the town. And it says, interestingly, I like this, I think we've mentioned this in a sermon before, but it was a 90-mile journey, and the Bible says they went up from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Well, that, clearly the Bible is, is fallible and can't be trusted. Because Nazareth is clearly north of Bethlehem. But I'm telling you, when you're walking 90 miles, Bethlehem is up. Elevation. So that's kind of what that comes to. But I like those little details that enhance our study of the Bible, the richness of the Bible that's added in there. So they walked south up from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 90 miles. It was um, very unusual for Joseph and Mary to be traveling together in this situation. In their culture, in their world, engagements were more like pre-marriages. In fact, it took a divorce decree to nullify an engagement or a betrothal. It was a very serious, very legal thing. Uh, In that time, uh, they would not have lived together and they would not have sexually consummated the marriage. Not until the official marriage was done. But it was a very legal, very, uh, very serious ceremony they went in to say that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph means they were committed and it would have taken a legal act in order to to break that up. But there's a lot of speculation and discussion, rightfully so, about about why Mary was traveling with Joseph. Well, they were both from the line of David. That's one thing. So they were both going to the same place. But most people think that Mary was traveling with Joseph for protection. Because a woman of her age, not married, Obviously pregnant, coming along, third trimester, no hiding this thing. She would have been in danger. The Bible describes Joseph as a righteous man. This was probably a a relatively shameful walk, I would suspect. Probably not a lot of family chumming up with Joseph and Mary at this time. I'm reading into this stuff, but it's the culture of the time. Just like we're able to read into the culture of this time, Things were just true. And Mary was a scandal. She gave birth to a son. And famously, she laid him in a manger because there was no room at the inn. Now, another study that we could do easily is all of the prophecies that are being fulfilled during this time. It's just, this is just, just rich with Old Testament prophecy coming true in the time of Jesus. But that's not for today. But this last part about there's no room in the end, I want us just to think about this for one second. The people that made Bethlehem their home, they were also on a pilgrimage to their ancestral hometowns. The, the, the place was filled with Mary and Joseph's family members. Their people had no room for them. 
That sits heavy for me. And it begs the question, is there room today? Is there a room today? Are you allowing Jesus into the house to have a say, to be the voice, to be the lighthouse, the beacon, the guide? A lot is said and nothing being said there. We move on to uh, Luke chapter 8, and here's kind of the, the, the guts of the story we're getting into. So we got the shepherds there at night. We got an angel appearing to them. And I, I want to say this. Uh, over and over and over again, an angel appeared and they were terrified. I'll take it. Like, I hate being scared. I hate being, I would never pay to be scared. People pay a lot of money to go to movies, to go to haunted houses, to do all of these things to be scared. And they especially like it these days when their friends are videoing them when they're really scared. So they can watch it over and oh, 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 they love it. I, I don't love it. But I'll take it if I can be here then. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Oh man, I want to be there. Make the meme. Make whatever you want to do. I want that. I want to be there. You can take my picture. You can spread it out over social media, whatever you want to do, if you can catch me terrified at the glory of God shining around what a moment. What a beautiful, beautiful moment. And the angel says, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I want you to read the yellow with me. Are you ready? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. This is the leadoff story that the angels were hearkening. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and I have good news. And it's going to be very joyful for everybody. He goes on. They get to experience this heavenly host. They get to experience this heavenly host. These angels, more angels pop up. So you got the announcement angel, and then more angels show up, and they start saying this or singing this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. What a moment. Would you buy a ticket to this? Would you stand in line for two hours for this? I would. This is amazing. Let's say this together. You guys got the yellow. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. That's the scene that provides us this announcement. I bring good news that will cause great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you you'll find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Here's the first thing I want to try to think about with these Scriptures that we hear. The very thing that the shepherds, sh shepherds do 
once hearing this announcement and hearing this singing, this glorious announcement, they said, let's go and see. If you look at the text, there's nothing about the angel saying, you need to go to Bethlehem. Hey, y'all, pack up your stuff. Let's go, let's go, let's go. This thing is happening. The baby is being born. Get there. They're given the announcement. They're told what's going on. And then they say together, let's go see. The first thing I want to think about today, and you know this, just take this out of a biblical, spiritual context. When you're super excited about something, does someone have to tell you, let's go? You can't wait to go. You're excited to go. You're ready early. Early. You'll wait in line to be able to go. You'll spend precious money to be able to go. And you'll tell everybody on every platform, anyone who will listen to you, that you're going. Because you're so excited about it. The shepherds with no invitation at all get the strength that comes from joy to go. And of the three things, this is my opinion, of the three things that I'm going to share with you today that, that, joy, that joy gives us the strength to do, this might be the most difficult. Because we love what we love and we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to be bothered. We have our schedules. We have our comfortable places. We have our settled places. And we don't want to be told to break that. And it's hard to get up the motivation to do something in Jesus' name. Unless you're filled with joy. Because if you're filled with the joy of the Lord, you've got the strength and the desire to do this. So, a litmus test. If serving the Lord is a massive pain in the neck for you right now, it's probably a joy problem. Don't lie about it. Don't shy away from it. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's find out why. Rachel talked about resentment today. Have you ever dealt with resentment? Two hands, me. Of course. And resentment can keep you sedentary, and it can keep you stuck, and it can keep you angry, and it can keep you set. But joy inspires you to go. It's never too hard to serve the Lord when you have the joy of the Lord. Because he provides the strength and the want to. The joy of the Lord gives us the strength to move, to help, to pitch in, to join. And two practical examples that we can see. The Samaritan woman or the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4. After she meets Jesus, what does she immediately do? She, this woman, who has no standing maybe less than no standing. She has been pushed off to the side. In fact, she and Jesus are having a moment at the well together alone with no one else there because of the position that she's in. She can't even afford to go there when the other ladies go because she's so scandalous. She's the first one that Jesus reveals who he really is. I am the Christ, the Messiah, the one sent. I am who I say I am. And she's inspired immediately to go and tell, knowing that she'll be brushed off, 
knowing that people won't listen, knowing that who are you? What are you talking about? Get out of my house. And she won't stop it. And in Mark chapter 5, when the demon-possessed man is finally released of those legions of demons, he begs Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus, in his wisdom, says, no, go back to your hometown, the Decapolis. So he goes back, and he becomes a missionary in his own town. And no one forced him to go. No one had to twist his heart. No one had to lay out the pros and the cons. He was going because he was filled with joy for what had happened in the presence of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I would say that joy gives us the ability or the desire to tell. Joy gives us the strength to tell. We can read in verse 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had, to- uh, what they had been told about the child, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Again, go back to your, go back to your life. Do you have a hard time telling people what you're excited about? Went to a wedding last night. The husband and wife could not wait to get married. Couldn't wait. They really couldn't even wait for the vows because they kept talking over me the whole time. Just, they were just so giddy and so excited to be married. Are you excited for what the Lord has done for you? Has he, have you experienced him which caused this continual gladness and peace, and confidence, as you've experienced in your following Jesus. The shepherds couldn't wait to tell. And again, ringing that same drum, or banging that same drum, no one had to tell them to. Now, I think it would be a really good thing. I mean, you saw this really thing, this was kind of an important thing, and what do you think about you going to tell some people? I think that would be really good. They weren't have, that didn't have to happen. They were just unleashed. They did this. They wanted to do this. And everyone who heard it was amazed. And I would say this. If telling the truth of Jesus is scary to you, just think about telling your story. That's it. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you in your life. Just learn how to say that. I love Jesus because. I'm thrilled about Jesus because this is what He's done in my life. This is where He's worked on me. This is where He saved me and helped me and forgiven me. And given me a purpose and a road forward. Just tell your story. You don't have to know the whole book. I don't know the whole book. Crying out loud. I'm learning. I'm on the path just like everybody else is on the path. And they say this, as uh, in... Uh, in Acts, we're going to read this uh, in the weeks to come, but this is uh, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the religious leaders of the time are super distracted and frustrated by this, and they bring him in, and they're threatening him, and they're questioning him, and things like this, and, and just famously, they say at the end, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You want to put us in jail? You want to whip us? You want to take our stuff? You want to chase us around? You want to threaten us? You want... Listen, this is real for me. I can't help it. 
Read this with me. You got the yellow. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Finally, I'll say this. Is that the joy brought strength for the shepherds to worship. And I want you to notice the two types of worship that happened here. Both appropriate and God-honoring. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Way number one. But Mary treasured up all things and pondered them in her heart. Private worship. She was making a Shutterfly album. She was keeping it all in there. She was remembering and re-remembering and, and, and just experiencing and re-experiencing Wow, what a journey I'm on. Worship. But the shepherds, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Joy gives us the strength to worship, no matter the circumstance. An example of that is King David after the adultery, after the loss of the first son with Bathsheba, the very thing that he did after learning that the child had died was worshipped. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy gives us the strength to worship. And so, I would say this, the same kind of litmus test is it a struggle for you to let the worship out? To open up the worship, to, to let it out, to say it out loud, to sing it out loud, to, to, to love it out loud. Whatever form that takes, let the worship out. We have been given the joy of the Lord to go. We've been given the joy of the Lord to tell. We've been given the joy of the Lord to worship. We have all of these things as a gift of God's Spirit. We have all of these things because He's blessed us with a multitude of things. And we have something to say. We have somewhere to go. And we have a God to worship. And I'll say this in closing. There are people that will listen to you that will listen to no one else. And it's just true. They don't care what I think. They don't care what I say. They don't care what's important to me but they care what's important to you. They care what you say. And that's your mission field. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Parents, your children are a fertile mission field. Pray for your kids. Teach your kids the stories of Jesus. Love your kids. Challenge your kids. Serve Jesus with your kids. Worship with your kids. Teach them to love God no matter what
me, I know that song. Stand.